Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. But I just want to give you a second just so we can kind of get everybody on the same page. The very first week, and you can go back to the podcast and listen to this, but the very first week I just I wanted to give you kind of the, the why you know, everybody talks about end-time prophecy. They talk about revelations. They talk about the end. And it's always like gloom, despair, and oh, you know, like this 666 and chopping off of heads and God's wrath. And, and I just, in fact, I've showed you a scripture every single week. Guys, go ahead and put it up. I want to read it one more time. And it's very simple because it's, it's not about his wrath. It's because he wants to be with you. In fact, John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. So when we think about end-time prophecy, we don't need to be overwhelmed. We don't need to be like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Like, God's like, it's okay. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you are on the winning side. Like, we don't need to be consumed with this. And then he keeps going, and he says, not only not let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, the concept of going and prepare a place for you is Jesus was trying to let his disciples know that though he has an earthly ministry that he's establishing, that it was always heavenly focused. Like, in fact, a lot of us, if we were to be honest, we need to get less focused on everything that's happening here and be more consumed with what's it going to do for eternity. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell them. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to go open a place for you. Like, what you've seen here is pretty amazing, but this was actually just the starting point. Like, because I got something bigger. And then he says in the Scripture, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come back. And then here's the words, so that I can be with you. The motivation is not God's wrath. The motivation is God's family. He wants to be with you. The second thing, and I covered it last week, I, I, I did the best I could, but we covered the whole book of Revelation. You can go back to the podcast, went through the whole thing, tried to do it in 20 minutes, took about 33, all right? But it's one of those things, but we went through it all, and I just wanted to give you the what, like, like what is it? What is this second coming? What is this end-time prophecy? What is all these things going to happen? Well, today, closing out the series, I'm going to answer the when. Like, this is where most of you started. Like, you're like, oh, just, just tell me when. Like, I just need to know when. And, and I'm, you, you're not going to know exactly when. You know, it, it, it's, it's like my kids. When I go out of town, they're like, Daddy, when are you and Mama coming back? When you least expect it. Like, I ain't going to tell you when. You know, like, like I may, I'm just going to show back up and everything better be right. You know what I'm saying? And, and God's like, I, I, but we're going to talk about the when. Well, we're actually, in order to answer the win, we're going to actually go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21 uh, are two of the synoptic gospels where Jesus himself actually teaches about the end times. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 24 and listen to what Jesus says. But I want to just help you understand stand the wind. And, and, and when we get done with this, by the end of the day, yes, I'm going to tell you some signs. You know, I've labeled this message <laughs> Here's your sign. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just one of those things. Like, I'm, I'm going to give you some stuff today. And so if you have your phone or if you got a pen and a piece of paper, get ready. We're going to go through this. Feel free to take snapshots of the screen. But here's where I want us to start. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 3. 
As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, and then here's the word, when, same thing you've got, right? When all will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumor of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise up against nations and kingdoms against kingdom, and there will be a famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. You know, I have people that'll come, and, and there's always that one guy, right? You know, like, like, tell me what you think about the end times. Well, we're closer now than ever before. Well, thank you, like Captain Obvious, right? But one of the things that God's talking about is he compares it to a woman that, that is pregnant. Now, I, I've had five amazing, well, four amazing children, and one, I'll let them figure out which the one is. But I, I've had five amazing children. And let me tell you something, Amy Lou is awesome. But there was a big difference between, like, like we might be pregnant to like, like nine months, like we, 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 we pregnant. We are getting ready to deliver a baby. Like at no point did we ever be like, like know exactly when it was happening, but we could tell by the signs of what was going on with her and her body and different things, we could tell how we got close. And that is what Jesus is referring to. He refers to the end times, the end of the age, as he refers to it as a woman that has laboring pains. In other words, he's saying, look, all these things that you're experiencing right now, the famines, the earthquakes, the wars, the rumor of wars, heard any of that lately? He said, all these things have to take place, but he says, but it's not the end. It's only the beginning of the end. And he says, and be careful. Be careful that you're not deceived. Many people will come in my name, but they are false prophets. They will lead many people astray. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to teach this. We're in a time right now with everything going on with Russia and Ukraine and the Middle East and oil and, and all these different things in our own economy, in our own country. Like, there's a lot of people like, this is very relevant, right? Like, well, what's going on, Pastor? What's going on? Listen, what's going on is exactly what your word says. Like, you need to have great confidence today understanding that you hold the book that literally predicts and has been exactly right for every single thing that's happening and will happen, and you can know how everything's going to end. But he's talking about these signs. He said, you will know these because there will be some signs. And so I'm not going to go through. There are literally dozen upon dozen upon dozen of signs. But if you were to take all the signs, they actually fall into two main categories. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you those two main categories, give you a couple of things to let you know why I believe we're at the end of the eighth, possibly already in the ninth month. And I'll explain that in a minute. But, but I just want you to know, like, but just don't get led astray. You know, like... Like Scripture even says, Jesus himself said it in chapter 24, verse 36. He says, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, not the Son, but the Father only. So if you're thinking like you're going to figure out exactly when it's going to happen, that ain't going to happen. I still remember there was a book in 1988 called 88 Reasons the Rapture Would Happen in 88. 
And, and I remember the little church, well, not little church, the church I was in, they did a revival. They were genius. They did a revival around that same week. I, we had more people at that church. Like, you didn't have to preach. You just go to start, start hey, we're going to go straight into just as I am, just as, and there, boom, everybody's coming down because they thought it was about to happen. Well, that guy missed it, right? Or at least we really hope he missed it. Like, <laughs> I, hope, I hope we didn't miss it. But I, I, he missed it. And then in 1989, Joker had, hey, 89 reasons why the rapture is going to happen in 89. Like, nobody's going to know. But I do believe there are some real things that can help point us to the concept of how we can read what's going on and know what type of time that we're living in. And it falls under two categories, okay, these signs. The first one, if you're taking notes, the first category is the increase of wickedness. Uh, Wickedness, it's going to get really bad. Now, you say, Mickey, what does that mean? Well, I want to help the person in here. The person that's sitting there and going, man, it's, it's just different. Like, like, we're dealing with things we've never dealt with. Like, things have just gotten worse. Like, we talk about the good old days, and I don't even know really what that means, but we talk about the good old days and, and the things we, and they're like, Mickey, do you just, like, like, do you think that things have gotten worse? Yes. Yes, I do. And I want you to know that one of the categories that a lot of these signs fall in, there's even but two, is the fact that there's going to be an increase in the wickedness in this world. In fact, I will show it to you. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 through 13. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Now, some translations will use the word persecution. I think if I think if the translators from Greek would have realized that using the word tribulation would make most people think, oh, well, the church is going to go through tribulation because, see, it says that that's not what it's talking about. This is not talking about the event of tribulation, the seven years of tribulation in the world. It's talking about trials and tribulation and persecution. So don't read this as, well, there you go, Mickey, you lied to us. The church is going to go through tribulation. No, you're not, and I'll explain that more here in a minute. But this is talking about persecution, all right? So then you will be delivered up to tribulation or persecution and put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And, and I, I put some stuff in my notes because I just need to be, get vulnerable. I, I, just, I, just, I, don't, I don't know that I've been doing what I need to do to make sure you're ready for end-time living. I don't know that I'm ready. Like, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get bad. Like, and I'm not talking about bad, like fearful bad, like, like you're already seeing it. I mean, you used to be able to disagree with somebody, be like, hey, we can just agree to disagree. Now it's like, if you don't, I hate you. If you don't agree with me, I hate you. We are against each other. We are enemies. And, and some of the other things that are social hot buttons, like, like I don't know in the first five years of Crossroads if I've done exactly what God's called me to do to make sure that, that we as a body of believers are ready. But let me tell you, I, I will get you ready now. Like, I'm letting you know. Like, like you know, well, what did this study do for you, Pastor Mickey? It made me realize that I, I got a job and we're going to do it. Like, like, you will understand what it takes and what God, I'm going to do everything I can because I love you to make sure that we're ready. And it's one of those things you say, well, was it going to get, it, it, some stuff going to be real deep. 
But I promise that I'll use my simple mentality to make it as simple as possible. But the reality is I don't know most churches are ready for what's coming. But let, let me keep reading, and, and it'll explain itself. All right? But, but just know, I, I, I'm actually already working on some messages in February. All right? So just know that, that we, we're going to be working on some series. I, I'm going to get you guys ready. We're going to do some different things. I'll talk more of that, that in a minute. But the reason why is because of what follows up in verse 10. Listen to this. And then many will fall away and betray me or betray one another and hate one another. And this culture already exists, right? We're already seeing this this hatred. Like I never imagined in the United States. This is not a political statement. I'm just talking the truth. I never imagined in the United States that we would let politics have so much hatred. Like, Like I don't, I don't, this is not really theological but the word that's in my head, I don't really give a rat's tail about who the president is as much as I, I want to know that we, we, like, if we can't get along as Americans, we got a lot of issues. But we, we just, we, we're in a time frame right now where it's heightened, you know? And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not so sure that our news really helps the situation. I got to get back on task. I ain't got that much time. I'm getting a look, so I know it's time to move on. <laughs> but it's one of those things that, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And again, this culture already exists. You know, the, the hot button right now is, is a lot of your Christian college educations, the word they're using is deconstructing the Bible. They're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm deconstructing the Bible. I'm, I'm breaking the Bible back down, deconstructing it so I can build it back up so that I can know what God's word says. Listen, that's a lie of the pit of hell. You don't need to deacon, you need to live by the word. I said this last week, your theology should determine your behavior, not your behavior determine your theology. And so we don't need to deconstruct the Bible. What we need to do is we need to learn the Bible. We need to understand God's word. But listen to what it says right here. This is the motivation, the reason why I'm so passionate about getting you guys ready and getting me ready. And because lawlessness, wickedness will increase. There it is. That, that first category that a lot of signs are going to fall in. Because the lawlessness or wickedness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end or endures to the end will be saved. Like, like I want you to be able to hold out. I want all of us to be able to say, you know what, no matter what's going on in this culture and in this time, like I, what we sang about, right? Not only is God a strong, firm foundation, but you know what this world needs? It needs some people just like you and just like me that says, you know what, I'll be a strong, firm foundation as well. We will stand on God's word. In fact, here's how it shows up in 2 Timothy 1 through 9. This is Paul, but Paul says it this way. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Some translations will say terrible times. Now, I, I, I've took a lot of Greek and studied some different things. That word there that's used for difficult or terrible is actually the same word that's used to describe the demoniac at Gardea. You know, the, the guy that Jesus encounters and he takes the demons and he called him legion and he cast them into the pigs and they run off the cliff. And so literally, you could read that right there, not just difficult times or terrible times, but you could read it as, there's, there's going to be some demonic times. Demonic, like, like 
when I talk about things you get, it's going to be demonic. I mean, be honest with you, did you need me to stand up here and tell you that? Now, don't mishear me. I'm not one of these like, you know, hey, everything's terrible. No, I'm, I'm just preaching. Like, you okay? You hanging with me? Is everybody good? All right, listen to me. I'm just telling you that this is what's coming. It's a sign that we're getting closer to the end. It's not the only one I'm gonna give you today, but I need to let you know. Let me keep reading God's word. Verse two, for people will be lovers of self. Just, just think about this. See, if this. see if this fits our culture, okay? Like people will be lovers of self, you know, like, like that, that's the definition of Instagram, isn't it? But anyway, but people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen in conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then listen to this, verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Like one of the reasons why we do 21 days of prayer, one of the reasons why we celebrate when God does the miraculous. In fact, it just hit me, Amy and I were over here and in a worship song that meant a lot to us seven years ago. This is, the, this is literally the day that, that seven years ago that little Bryn fell off a chair and we about lost her and she cracked her skull and, and, and then we watched God do the miraculous. Like, I, I just want you to know that, that we, we are non-denominational. Why? Because we need God's spirit and we need his miracles because it helps us to see that he's still doing what he's called us to do and he's still changing lives. And so we don't want to, be presented as, as like we're, we're godly but not, not receiving his power. Like, listen to me. Like, like, I know for a lot of you, you like me. Like, I, I mean, I was born at Baptist Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee, okay? Like, I get it. But we ain't going to make it if we don't believe in his spirit. Now, don't let people indoctrinate you what that may mean. Here's what it means. He, he, like, God's put his spirit in you to give you a power that makes you different than somebody that doesn't have his spirit. Like having Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and his spirit in you, if that doesn't make you more empowered than somebody else, then, then you ain't, like, then we ain't worshiping the same God. Like, there should be a difference. And then it says, avoid these people. And it's like, well, how am I going to do that when I'm living right in the middle of it? So let me give you a little bit of information. If, if this is true, the increase of weakness, now how does that show up in, in today's culture? Well, there's some different people, whether they be sociologists or missiologists, and basically these people, they, they study the, the kind of the world and where we're at and what's going on. Like, where are we at as a society? Where are we at as a world? What's, what's going on? And, and most of them would, would tell you that we are basically, as Americans, we'll talk about America, as America, we're, we're in the late stages of what's called decadence. Now, that's basically just a, a simple kind of large word that means decay. It's the aspect of moral decay. In fact, if you were to study history, in 5,000 years of recorded history, never has a country been this far in what they call decadence and ever recovered from it. In fact, if, if the United States of America was to have a revival sweep through their country and us change and go back, and be restored to what we once were, we would be the first country in 5,000 years of recorded history to ever experience that. 
You say, well, Mickey, what's your thoughts? I pray every day that it would happen. But I just want you to know the signs aren't showing that. Like what we're seeing going on in our country is not showing us kind of, of repenting and turning and moving. It, it's still showing a decay. You put on top of that some historical stuff and you start thinking about the fact that, you know, that some of the things that we're dealing with. And, you know, when I say that, what I'm talking about is, let me give you an example of the decadence. We're talking about the deconstruction of the nuclear family. We're talking about gender confusion. We're talking about sexual immorality. In fact, your, your Bible calls sexual immorality. It describes it as being degrading towards each other. That's how big of a deal it is. We're also talking about the aspect of the loss of respect for life. Not only do we have killing in our streets every single day, but we got people that are literally fighting for the right to be able to kill the unborn. Like these are all signs of things that, that would create decadence. But when we look at the historical concept of it and we look back in our world, you think about the great empires, the Persians, the Trojans, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, even in the later years, the British. Just about every one of them all rose and perished within 240 years. Every one of them. And yet not a single one of them was conquered by somebody else. They all perished because of a decay from within. None of them lasted more than 240 years. You want to take a guess how old the United States is? 246 years. See, we're on the brink, guys, of something that's it's just different. I'm just telling you, it's different. Some of the things that we are seeing and some of the things that are going on that we see in our country, it's telling us that this aspect of weakness and this signs, it's, it's just different. In fact, you say, well, Mickey, what, what makes it different than, than 20 or 30 years ago? Well, I, I mean, I will give you some of that stuff. Because there's some big different things that's talked about in Revelation that we now have the ability to do that 20 or 30 years ago we didn't. But the biggest thing that's taking place is the moral decline in this concept that's going on and the lack of God's people being an influence and standing up. Like, I think I, I, think I said this in the office this week talking to some of our staff. I believe in the 80s we were so busy shouting at people, telling them how bad they were. That in the 2000s, when they realized that they, they ain't coming no more. So in 2010, we said, well, we'll start being like them. Hoping to get them back. And that's the reason why you heard me say, you know, we're going to speak the truth. But we, we also ain't going to be mean about it. You've heard me say truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Tra grace and truth together that's a good medicine. But I just want you to know, and I'm not Debbie Downer today. You, you want to talk about when, I'm going to tell you the when. And you need to know that there's an aspect of, of a decay that's taking place in our country and across our world that we've never seen before. I will say this, and I will not apologize, but I'll say it with grace and love, not being mean. But did you ever think we would struggle so mightily about how many genders there are in our world? And God created them male and female. Not just humans, every animal. 
Like, there is no confusion in God's word. We have, even in southeast Tennessee, we've had schools struggling because a parent was upset because they wanted their student to be able to have a litter box at the school because, because they're a cat. I'm not saying that to make light or hit a hot button. I'm telling you that so that you understand. Like, are, I, I never, like, when did this happen? How did, how did this happen? What caused us to become so infatuated with trying to accept and love everybody that we've compromised God's word under the umbrella of love. Listen to me. We don't compromise God's word under the umbrella of love. We allow God's word to allow us to put everybody under the umbrella saying we're going to love you no matter what. No matter what your beliefs are, no matter what your situation is, even though we may disagree, I love you because you're worth loving. I don't have to accept or celebrate you. But I can still love you and motivate you and appreciate you and move forward. In fact, let me get back into God's word. When you think about all this stuff, this, this generation is different. In fact, I'll give you two signs. Let me just help you, okay? Two signs real quick that'll help you understand what I'm talking about that, that lets us know we're close to the end times. There's two signs when I said that, that this generation is different. What makes it different is we've had so many signs that are in God's word that are all coming together in the same generation. Two of those, one of them is in Revelation chapter 11. It talks about this, these two witnesses that are going to come down and the Antichrist has is, is taken over and, and all of a sudden these two witnesses are going to come down. This is in Revelation chapter 11 and scholars don't really know exactly who it is. Most people will say it's the reincarnation of Moses and Elijah and they're coming down to be a witness. But it talks about the concept that they're going to be martyred or killed and lying in the streets and that the whole world would see this take place. And for the first time, we have a generation that we could actually see that happening with a thing called satellite technology. That that, that prophecy could take place. That couldn't have happened back in 1960. But in 2022, what is described in Revelation chapter 11 and with the technology we have, that could actually very much take place. Another thing is this, this aspect of a, of a world commerce. You know, I didn't talk about this last week, but there is the concept that's in Revelation that talks about that, that you're going to have a chip or a mark put on you. Now, the mark is not a spiritual mark. It's a commerce mark. And it's the way that you're going to be able to buy and sell goods. And basically what it's saying is you're going to have to receive this mark and be able to buy and sell goods. Well, two years ago, New York Times had an article about a company up in Wisconsin that literally was talking about how they required every employee to have a chip put in their hand. Now, I'm I'm on, this is not Bible, this is Mickey. Okay, this is not Bible, this is Mickey. I've thought a lot about that chip. And I thought about the fact that when John had this revelation, he had no idea what some of the technology would be. And you know what hit me? As I was studying all this, I went to the store. And I got ready to pay, and I didn't have my wallet. And you know what I did? Bleep. And I paid for everything I had. 
You catching what I'm throwing? Now, don't mishear me. Everybody, I'm getting rid of my cell phone. Pastor Mickey said the cell phone's a market. No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, I'm just telling you that the signs of the end times, like we are in a generation where those two things, they're actually, they could, they already exist. Like we're not waiting for something to come. It, those technologies exist. Let, let, let me dive back into God's word because we, we got so much more to cover. All right, the second category, not only is there an increase in wickedness that you're gonna see, but the second major category, just like I said, the bad's gonna get worse, I got some good news. All right, the second category is an increase in the gospel. Like if you were to break down all the signs of the end time prophecy, a lot of them will fall in this increase of wickedness, but there's also this major category that's the increasing or the expanding of the gospel. In fact, let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. He says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The word nations there in Greek is not nations like country. It's nations like, like ethnos is the actual Greek word. It's the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get the word, you know, ethnicity or, or different things like that. And so basically... You have 190, or 193, let me make sure, I think it's 193, uh, let me make, it's, yes, 193 sovereign nations, but in those 193 sovereign nations, you have 7,000 different languages. And so what this is talking about is that, that the, literally the gospel will be preached in every language. So the accountability, everybody has heard the gospel. Everybody has heard what's going on. Like it's not just a part, like everybody will hear. In fact, let me give you some more information. If we were to look at this, and you've heard me talk about this the last couple of weeks. In the last 50 years, in 1970, there were 1.2 million Christians in the world. In 1970. In the last 50 years, are you ready for this? In 2022, there's 2.6 billion, billion with a B, billion Christians in the world. We have seen more people coming to know Christ in the last 50 years than we saw the previous 2020 or 1970 after the birth of Christ. I'll give you another example of how we've seen this increase. Are you ready? Uh, not only have you seen this major increase, but in this world, this is so awesome, every place the gospel is new to that area, poverty has fallen radically. Like when I talk about this increase in goodness, listen to these statistics. The number one determining factor of poverty in the world has been diagnosed to the gospel. In 1990, 52% of the world was in extreme poverty. In 2017, 16% of the world was in poverty. In 2022, only 9.2% of the world is in what they call poverty. Nearly, nearly 100% of the decline in the places that had been newly Christianized have all been looked at and seen that it was the gospel of Jesus Christ that changed the whole situation in which poverty was fallen. Like, you should get excited about that because what that tells you is it works. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ works. When Jesus gets involved, this isn't health, wealth, and prosperity. This is the fact that when he gets involved and we learn to love each other, like things change. We have seen a decline. The good is getting better, and we've seen poverty. You say, well, Mickey, I ain't seen that in the United States. That's because we're one of the 12 countries out of 193 that's in what's called stasis. In other words, we, we just, we not, we not, we're not growing. We just, we're stagnant. In fact, there's 17 countries out of all the 193. There's 17 countries that are either plateaued or declining compared to their population in the gospel. Every other country, the gospel is growing quicker than the population of that country. And yes, America is one of the 12 that's stations. There's actually five countries that are declining. So what I'm telling you is there, there's this sign that we definitely know about. I'll, I'll give you another sign just for fun. I don't have a whole lot of time, but I think some of you guys will enjoy this because it's in Matthew chapter 24, it's the next verse. He says, so when you see the abomination of desolation... Some of you people will call, some, some translations will say the abomination that causes desolation, spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place. And then it says this. If you're looking at your Bible, you should have this in a quote. Let the reader understand. And so what this is talking about is, number one, I want you to realize in this scripture how Jesus himself is speaking, and he affirms Daniel's ministry. He affirms, like, if you want to talk about studying somebody that's going to change your life and be like, man, if I could be like, like, like Daniel did not compromise during a time in which culture was crazy. King Nebuchadnezzar was doing all these different things, but he stuck to what God's word says. In fact, Scripture tells us that because of his exceptional qualities, he was put over the many. And Jesus literally says, hey, I'm going to affirm him. And he talks about this abomination of desolation. You say, Mickey, what, the, what, the, what is that? It's the statue. See, the Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to come as like a politician or a famous person, and he's going to broker a deal between the Israelites and the Palestinians to be able to give the Israelites their temple back, and they will rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount. Yes, it's where the current Dome of the Rock is, but you will see the temple rebuilt there. And in that process, he's only going to do that so that three and a half years into tribulation, he's going to take it back. And this is going to be the nail in the coffin of when you know the end is close because, and first of all, just so you'll know, you won't have to worry about some of this stuff because as a believer, you ain't going to be there because this is during tribulation. But this is when God literally, he, he, this is the ultimate mocking of God because what the Antichrist does is he puts a statue in the middle of the holiest of holies and he's erected it to himself. And you can read about this statue in Daniel. And it literally depicts all these different civilizations and through the times. In fact, it's called the 77s. So if you were to think about it as far as years, it's literally depicting 490 years. And Daniel, in his prophecy, he saw Alexander the Great and all the great leaders that followed after him. And in fact, if you were to look and study, it has been accurate in every single level. And the only thing left on that statue is the last seven years, which is the seven years of tribulation. You say, how close are we? We're that close. There's, there's nothing lacking. The only thing left is God coming back getting his church, and then what's called the tribulation. 
In fact, I'll, I'll read it to make sure that you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Here's this aspect of trouble, an increase of stuff. Such has never been seen before, seen since there was a nation till that time. But listen to this. If you want to know, I've been telling you that the church ain't going to be here during tribulation, right? And some of you are like, well, I don't know about it. And I've explained to you why, because of the Holy Spirit who holds back the Antichrist and how that Holy Spirit's in you. But if you just need one more verse to help you, listen to this next verse. It's in Daniel. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Remember last week I talked about the book and I talked about books? This refers to the book. And he's like, you know what? All, all of you that have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, like, you, you're going to be delivered. You're not going through tribulation. And then listen to what it keeps saying. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. This is talking about the rapture. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Talking about tribulation. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn uh, many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the end of time. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Can I hit a pause button just because, is everybody okay? Everybody look, you guys all right? I know, you're like, what, what did I walk into today? If you're a first-time guest, you're welcome, all right? I promise this is a little bit different, but just, everybody take a deep breath with me, ready? Listen to me. I love my job. And I, I love, like, I love you. Thank you. But listen to me. I'm going to give you two more signs, all right? At the end of Daniel, it tells you that at the end of time, they're going to go to and fro. Okay? Remember I talked about how generations, like, all of a sudden, we're seeing these signs come together. Like, like what it's referring to is the aspect of world travel. Like, this has happened just recently, probably in the last hundred years. I'll prove it to you. You ever went through anywhere? I don't know. Let, let's say we jumped on Highway 11. You ever wonder why you go from Chattanooga? And 30 miles later, there's Cleveland. And 30 miles later, there's Athens. And 30 miles later, there's Sweetwater. And 30, you just keep every 30 miles, right? It's like, why is there a town every 30 miles? Because that used to be how long you could travel. A day's travel was normally about 30 miles before you had vehicles and, and everything that we've got. And so what he's talking about is that there's going to come a time of a people that can go to and fro. Like these small towns that kind of get lost now, that are on these highways, they used to be how far they could actually travel in a day. But now, Amy and I, last summer, not this summer, but last summer, we got done preaching a message, went and jumped on an airplane, and six hours later was in San Diego, California. That used to be something that would be like, I'll see you in about six months. You know, imagine how those Thanksgivings were, you know? But now you can just, in fact, I could leave this stage right now, drive to Atlanta, get on a plane, and in 12 hours be in Australia. The aspect of to and fro is actually a sign, and guess what? We have that ability. But then listen to what else it says, right there at the end of Daniel. And he says, knowledge shall increase. Now, the people that, that are a lot smarter than me that study this stuff, they, they, they say that Knowledge had never really doubled. In other words, the amount of, of information that we have 
and the ability for us to absorb it that it's never really ever doubled till about 200 years ago. And 200 years ago, we kind of hit a, hit a point as a, as a world, as a society, that, that we knew twice as much as we ever had known. Okay? That was 200 years ago. Can I give you some statistics? In 1950, in 1950, they said that knowledge was now doubling about every 25 years. In other words, in 1950, about every 25 years, we were doubling the things that we knew. Okay? Now, in 2013, they said knowledge was doubling about every 18 to 24 months. In other words, the stuff that we know and the amount of stuff that's out there that we can learn, we can double our, about every 18 to 24 months. Are you ready for the stat in 2022? They say knowledge is doubling about every single day. I mean, think about it. Think about what you know. And you can do a few Google searches, and, and you can like, you can double the things that you know in just a little bit of time. This increase of knowledge already takes place. But let me go back to Daniel, because we're running out of time. Here's how Daniel ends. He says, I heard, but I did not understand. For all my husbands in the room, that's your life verse right there. <laughs> Jake, get ready for that one, man. That's free, just for you, the week before you get married, right? I hear you, but I, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, what? I don't know what this means. Like, like life verse there, right? But that's what Daniel responds. He's like, I hear what you're saying about this abomination of desolation, but I don't understand what you're, what you're saying. And then listen to what he says. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall I be the outcome of these things? And he said, talking about the Lord, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. So some will make it through it. Talking about tribulation. But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. So it, it brings up a question as we kind of move towards the, the two responses. So how, how do we become wise? Like if the wicked's going to be wicked, but there's this group that's going to understand because they're wise. Like, like, how do I move to the wise? Like, I want to be wise. Like, that's where I'm telling you, like, I, like I'm going to give you some more information, and i got to pick up the pace and just hang with me. But how do we become wise? Well, I believe it's found in 2 Peter, the two responses of these two major categories. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, listen, that does not have to be true for you. Like, I'm telling you what the Bible says. You are now empowered and have knowledge. It does not have to come like a thief. You can be prepared. Even though you may not know the day, you can know the signs and know what's going on. But he says, the day will come like a thief, and then the heaven will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will burn up and dissolve, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, listen to this. Underline, if you have a paper Bible, underline these words. What sort of people ought we to be? What sort of people ought we to be? And he gives you two responses that I believe fit to what we've got to do as we approach end time living. In fact, Mr. Dwayne, you can go ahead and 
Come up here, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a cap on this. But I'm, I'm going to let Mr. Dwayne play a little bit because I, I just want you, to, I want, you to, I want you to make sure you catch this. The first thing that he says is he says, live holiness, lives, live lives of holiness and godliness. You know, the first thing that we have to do, our first response to everything that's going on is, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to understand what holiness means and what godliness means. Like right now, there's a world that's wanting the church to embrace it. And if you don't embrace it, they belittle and refute and say, you, you, you're, you're bigots. They, they call you names. Like it's all the things we started the first part of the message with, right? You'll be persecuted for my name. Listen to me. We cannot compromise based on trying to be attractive to people. We cannot compromise God's word on the umbrella of church growth. There's one denomination out there that literally was plummeting and about to close the doors and trying to figure out how to get a resurgent in their denomination the way they did that was by compromising God's word and allowing certain people to start being a part of their denomination. And so that's where all of them go now. And you've seen a resurgence in them. Listen to me. That's not what we're going to do. Like we're going to stand on God's word. But listen to me. I've said it once. I'll say it again. But we ain't going to be mean about it. Like I don't want you to leave here thinking that, yeah, that's right, Pastor. By God, we're going to. We're going to stand there on the corner of 25th Street and Keith, and we're going to get our bullhorns, and we're going to do a bunch of, and that we ain't. If I see one of you down there, I'm going to pull my truck. I'm going to get in my truck. Come on. We're leaving. You're like, well, what if I don't go? Listen, I'm five foot seven. I got small man disease. I will beat you with a tire iron. You're going to get in my truck. <laughs> but listen to me. We, we, but we're going to stand on God's word. In fact, I, I told you, I'm, I'm working on some stuff for next year because, because listen to me, I, I, t- I, I have the greatest job in the world because I get to work for the greatest people I know. I think you guys are amazing. And because I love you so much, I'm not, I'm not going to let you be blindsided. In fact, it, it, it's, it's, again, it's Daniel's story. There, there's a book that Pastor Chris Hodges wrote called The Daniel Dilemma. And it's how to stand strong or how to stand firm in a culture of compromise. In fact, I've got the book right here. If you're interested, I want to encourage you to go ahead and order this book for yourself. Just like it'll be a good investment for you. But just know that I'm already talking to Shane, our our community group director. I've already said something to Amy Lou and and putting her on the spot. Like like Amy and I, we're going to work together together. Come, come, when we get through the holidays, Christmas and Thanksgiving, and we get through 21 days of prayer, I'm going to take as many of you that want to to go through this book with me, and I'm going to teach you how we can stand firm despite a culture of compromise. You say, well, Mickey, I ain't got time for that. Listen, you ain't got time not to do it. Listen, our first response is we, we got we to start living holy and godly lives. Can I put it a different way? It's time to make up your mind. What do you believe? Like it's time. 
Like with everybody bombarding you with so much, listen to me, it's time to decide, this is what I believe, this is what the Word says, like this is what I'm going to do. Not so that we can be pharisaical and be whitewashed tombs that hold dead bones, no, so that we can go out and be life-giving and tell people it ain't got to be like this. But the second response, he follows it up. And he says, hastening the coming of the day. I don't know if you realize this or not, but, but you actually can quicken the coming of the Lord. Not only is there going to be wickedness that's increased, and we've got to stand firm. We've got to live godly and holy lives. But because of the increase of the gospel, and he says that that's going to be a part of, like we can be a part of that and we can, we can help take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, if you've ever went through growth track, you know I'm a, I'm a ripple effect guy. I believe the greatest thing we can do for missions is to be the best local church here first. We take 10% of all of our giving every single week and we pour it into this community. And we're going to keep doing this. But listen, we also can, like, why has it got to be either or? Why can't it be both and? Why can't we do something to help churches all throughout Tennessee to help them catch a vision and make a difference and grow? What can we do to, to, cor to corporately get rid of this egotistical competition in churches in Cleveland and be like, look, we're all on the same page. I don't know. Like, it's like a ginormous, I almost, I can't say what I was going to say. It's just a, it's just a, it's competition. <laughs> That's the best way for me to say that. It's like, what are we doing? Why are we fighting against each other? Like, how about we all go pull on a Friday? I had a thing. It's a group of people called the Cleveland Net. And it was one of, it was one of the most amazing things I've experienced in a long time. There were, there were 12 to 15 people that met at our church office. They do not go here. They're part of Cleveland Net. They represent different organizations and churches. And they showed up for one reason. They just wanted to pray for you. And I stood there listening to these people pray. And God is my witness. The only thing I could do was open up my hands and repeat. I bet I said it a hundred times. Lord, I receive it. Lord, I receive it. I, I receive that. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 We yes. And they got done, and I was emotional. Like, I was trying to put on the front, but I, you guys know me. I mean, I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. My allergy, that ragweed's killing me. I'm, you know. But I mean, because I'm, I'm like, like the, they didn't care what your name was, Crossroads Community Church. All they knew was you were under the banner of Jesus Christ. And they're like, we want you to be blessed and highly favored. And we're going to be doing some things trying to help them as we grow this Cleveland network of churches. But you can be a part by increasing. In fact, I'm so passionate about this that I, I need you I'm not going to put anything on screen. I just need to listen to me. November the 1st, it's a Tuesday. November the 1st at 6.30 in the cafeteria, we are going to have a meeting, and, and we're calling it All Aboard. And I need every one of you to be there. You say, I don't come to church on a Tuesday. I, I've not really ever asked you to do a whole lot. I mean, let's just be honest. How many times have I ever said, will you please do this? I'm asking for as many of you that can. I've given you two weeks. I need you to be 
in the cafeteria on November the 1st at 6.30 because I'm going to present to you a couple of things, but more important, I'm going to present to you a vision God's putting on my heart on how we are going to respond to this series and what we're going to do. Because, can I put it simpler? The two responses are, are very simple. Number one, we, we, we can't compromise the culture. We've got to stand on God's word. And then we've got to invest in things that are eternal. In fact, can I read to you another scripture in Matthew chapter 24? Jesus is teaching. This is the story of Noah. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. That, that's, a, that's the biblical connotation. Of basically, they were doing whatever they wanted. If it feels good, do it. Whatever you want to do, just do it. And then listen to what it says. Until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of man. Then two men will be in a field, and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake. Like, like get ready and stay awake. Be aware. Wake up, church, is what it's saying. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known which what day the night of the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour which you do not know. You know, I, you say, Mickey, You've talked about a few signs. You've talked about this increase of wickedness, this increase of the gospel. You talked about to and fro. You talked about the world satellite system. You talked about this financial capability. Like, like there, there's a lot of stuff that's here. You've talked about this increase in knowledge. Like, like just, like, what do you think in your spirit? Like, like listen, I, I, I'm telling you, we at the end of the eighth month, at the beginning of the ninth. You say, well, people have said that before. Not in a generation like this. We have more signs that weren't there 30 years ago that are now there. And I've just, I've just given you five. You say, well, well why, why, do you, why do you think it hadn't happened yet? Well, let me show you in God's word. I will tell you the reason why it hadn't happened. It's in 2 Peter chapter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I, I believe, whew, I'm gonna get emotional. I believe Jesus is up there saying, I wanna get married today. I wanna get married today. I wanna go get my bride. I wanna get married today. Let me get on the horse. And, and, and God's like, all right, son, let's do it. Get on your horse. And he's getting ready to take off like we studied last week. Eyes on fire, hair like wool, like let's go. And all of a sudden God's like, wait, 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 wait. Hang on a second, son. I think we can get one more. I think, I think we can get one more. Just be a little bit more patient. Because I... I, I, I Get off the horse, son. There's still one more. 
I hear people talk about the end times. They're like, boy, I just, I can't wait to be home with my Jesus. I can't wait. I'm not of this world. I can't wait to, listen, I'm totally opposite. Like, Lord, please, please delay a little bit longer. Please. Because there's some people they just don't know. And I don't even know if it's their fault. But I'm going to make sure it's not our fault they didn't know. You say, how are we going to do that? We're going to be life-giving. We're not going to be belittling. We're not going to be just, you know, social media dogging everybody. We're just going to be life-giving. We're going to say, you know what, listen, all I want you to know is that I love you and God loves you. You have a need, I will try to meet that need. Why? Because I want you to know that I love you and that God loves you. Well, when I come to your church, do I got to dress a certain way or anything? No, you, ain't got, you just come on in. Who, who's welcome? Everybody's welcome. What if they don't believe like you believe? That's okay. But we're not going to compromise what we believe. We're going to stand on God's word. But, you know, everybody's welcome. Why? Because I love you and God loves you. But then the last thing that blew my mind in this message, and I'm done. Dwayne, you're doing a great job, my man. Hang in there. He's like, I can't feel my fingers, Pastor. <laughs> Is the last thing that Jesus said on this earth. The last thing he said on this earth is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen, can I just, I'll start in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he being Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the season that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, he, he gives them in his last words two things. He says, you're going to receive my power, and you're going to be my witness. See, you receive his power so that you can respond with that response in times where we live holy and godly lives. And we increase the gospel by what? By being his witness. See, Jesus' last words on the earth was our two responses to how we handle end-time living. We need his spirit to live godly lives. And we go and live amazing lives to be contagious so we can be his witness. Why? So we can increase the gospel. The only question is, what are you going to do with all this? Like the last three weeks, I, I'll be honest with you, it, it woof. I mean, staff could tell you, man, I... I I, I, I type stuff out. I don't normally do this. Like, like you say, Mickey, you guys have, have ran long the last few weeks. And I'm like, yeah, you, you're right. Because that, that's three note, weeks of notes. Like, like here was the last few weeks before that, like four pages. But like, this, like I, I wrote every, because it didn't want to be my opinion. But my biggest point is simply this. I also don't want us to stay the same. Like, a lot of you wanted me to do a series on end-time prophecy, and I've done that. But now I'm going to throw you the ball back and ask you now, what are you going to do with it? It ain't a horror story. It's a love story because he wants to be with you. And if you want to dive into it, you can study it. But I encourage you to go from chapter 1 of Revelation and get to four, chapter 4, verse 1. Just skip to chapter 19, because the, the middle part, the, the confused, that's tribulation. You don't need to worry about that. You ain't going to be here if you know Jesus. 
and these different signs that we've talked about today, like I'm, I'm telling you, we, if it's done by birthing pains, like right now, we ain't in no Braxton Hicks. Like we, we got contractions, and we're just seeing how close they're getting. Like we're working on our breathing technique. We've got our little focus. Like, we, like it's close. but it's not so close that you don't have time to do something. So we're going to open up this altar. And I'm going to challenge you with two things. Number one, I'm going to, I'm going to put some proof in your pudding today. You want me to know that what we've talked about matters to you? Then you're going to, you're going to prove it with your feet on November the 1st, Tuesday at 6.30. I want you to show up at the cafeteria. You say, oh, that ain't fair. Well, I, I, life ain't fair. I never said that's fair. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm going I'm to find out. I want every single one of you there. But secondly, let's get about doing what we need to do to be life-giving. So today, I'm going to open up this altar for all of us that are wanting to, to come and pray. Our country, we had, a, we, had a, we had a bad situation. But it's not so much that God has taken his hand completely off of us. So what do you do? We pray first. You say, some stuff happened in my life. Let's pray. And for those of you that say, Mickey, I, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I please listen to me? I love you. I love you so much. Listen to me. I, I, don't, I, don't, I'm I, I'm tell, I don't want you to go through what's coming. You say, is that a reason to accept Jesus? I listen, any reason is a good reason to accept Jesus. Because he changes everything. So I want some of you here in a minute to come and join our prayer team that you'll see as well. And, and we're going to spend some time in, in, in worship and pray. You say, Mickey, I got to get to lunch. Lunch will be there. All right. This is important. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.